Good morning, LifeSpring. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. I just wanted to uh, ta- talk about the, um, the barbecue next week real quick. I just wanted to add that if you men want to be a part of this uh, barbecue cook-off, uh, see De- uh, Ray Mayer, Ray, raise your hand after services, and he will uh, get you signed up. This is uh, one of the ways, and the food, by the way, is going to be free. We're offering the food for free. But we are going to have a, um, like a giving bowl out there. It's a way of it's a way of to support the men for their retreat this fall. So um, think about that when you're coming next week. Bring your dollar bills and your change, and uh, we'll have a good time. So I just want to welcome you all here this morning. If you're watching online, welcome, welcome. We're excited that you're here. Uh, after last week's fun, super fun discussion on adultery, I'm excited to see that so many of you have returned this week. Actually, no, I want to thank you for your words of encouragement throughout the week. Um, there are various topics which preachers must discuss, am I right, that it's sometimes people have a hard time with. And there's always that one thing in the Bible that you just wish wasn't in the Bible, but it is. And the Bible is truth, and we must learn from that. Uh, this morning, I feel like it's going to be a little bit like that as well. Uh, you think preparing and talking about adultery is tough. Wait till we talk about stealing. You ready? Are you guys ready? All right. Let's get started. Please open your Bibles, if you have them, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. If not, you can follow along on the screen. It's a pretty short piece of scripture. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Great. Close your Bibles, but keep them close by because we will be needing them again. I am calling this morning, once no longer, once no longer. Let's uh, open in prayer, though. Father God, you're a good father. And I just, just speak to us this morning, God. Teach us from your word about this commandment. Remind us of the grace and the mercy of Jesus in our lives. Allow us to have open hearts this morning, open minds, just to receive your word. And just to, as we dive into this scripture... You're an amazing God who loves us, so teach us this morning. Guide us here and now before we leave this building today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. How's it going? Oh, terrible. I mean, I've crunched numbers. I've looked at all the bills. I, I don't see a way that we are going to be able to pay your parents back that $2,000 how about a car wash? Car wash is cute, you know, for your cheerleader. We could have a garage sale. It's about my golf club. That's a firm no. I guess I could take that accounting job I was offered. You know, it was six figures. Yeah, but accounting's so boring. That's true. We have one option. I think it's time to go to the bank. I think you're right. You know what the most annoying part of that video was, though? is the lady turning down six figures 
because it was boring. That's like, I don't get that. Stealing. Stealing is one of the most common sins. It is also probably one of the most common actual crimes in society. Even as little children, we steal. As a kid, I'm going to ask as a kid, have you ever stolen something? Right? I mean, I have. I remember uh, one instance. I remember when I was about 10 years old, we lived in a... um, an apartment complex. It was a large apartment complex. It was in Chico, California. Chico um, is a boring place to grow up as a kid. Of course, Chico State is a party school. But as a kid, 10 years old, eh, you know. Um, actually, I have some pretty interesting stories I could tell you about growing up with Chico State as a kid. But I'll have to say that for another sermon. So. Um, we pretty much stayed confined in our apartment complex. There's about 300 apartments there. And so we, ha- we probably got in all kinds of trouble. We had to find things to do. We had to just invent things to do. Uh, surrounding the complex was a train track. I remember that. We did have fun on the train track. Uh, don't do that, by the way. It's not safe. I'm not condoning that at all. But we did do that as a kid. Um, but we also had orchards in Chico. Orchards all over the place. Next to one of the walls in the complex was an almond orchard, and it happened to be on the very back side of the orchard was butted up against the apartment complex. And so my cousin and my brother and I, we used to hop over the fence during the summer. And we'd spend our summer sitting on the ground underneath the almond trees, smashing them with rocks and eating to our heart's content. At the time, I didn't think that was stealing. I was finding food on the ground and eating it. This went on for a while until someone told me that if I'm not careful, I would get shot with rock salt. I didn't know what that was. And as much as I like salt with my almonds, I was also pretty sure that it would hurt. And I disliked pain. So that ended our crime spree. I didn't know it was wrong, though, until someone taught it to me. As children, we need to be taught what is right and what is wrong. Even as adults, as Christians, we still need to learn these lessons. So then how do we, as Christians, how do we learn what is right and what is wrong? One way is the Bible, right? Right here, this book is full of direction. It's full of instructions straight from the source, from the man himself. And today we're going to live into that. We're going to look into it a little bit more. So what does the Bible say about stealing? Actually, the Bible says a lot about stealing. But I only have about 35 minutes. So we're going to try, though. Matthew 19, verse 16 and 18. Just as the man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. But which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and father, and love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, Jesus is talking about this entire second tablet, right? Paul does the same thing. He says the same thing in Romans 13 where he includes do not steal among the commandments that with the new covenant believer must obey. Listen to this in Romans 13. Let no 
debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commands there are, are summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so you see, Paul, he's connecting the command for loving your neighbor with you shall not steal. After all, if you love your neighbor, you're probably not going to steal from them, right? So what is stealing? Last week when we were talking about adultery, maybe we learned a couple of things that we didn't necessarily know were adultery. This morning I feel the same way about stealing. Maybe we're going to learn, uh, we have the opportunity today to learn from God, and yes, maybe again become uncomfortable when we realize that maybe we are stealing and we just didn't know it. Stealing, after all, it isn't necessarily just a straightforward action that we are familiar with. There is more to it. First, stealing is a primarily, it's primarily a selfish act. It basically comes down to two things. Do not what takes belong to someone else, and do not withhold what rightfully belongs to someone else. So what are we talking about here, then? Because that seems pretty basic definition, seems pretty easy to avoid. Don't take what belongs to someone else, duh, and don't withhold what belongs to someone else. So what are some of the ways that people steal? Number one, armed robbery and illegal entry. This includes the kind of theft, involves violence, threats, or breaking and entering in order to take property of others. It includes armed robbery, mugging, housebreaking, car theft. This is probably the kind of stealing we think of when we first mentioned the word thief. This category also includes uh, the thieves that beat and robbed the man who eventually um, was helped by the good Samaritan in in Luke, the book of Luke. Number two, shoplifting, looting, petty theft. This kind of theft is committed mostly by nonviolent thieves, but by average citizens. Number three, dishonest business practices. I read an article in the last month or so about a local company here that, I'm not going to say which, that doesn't have prices for their goods. They don't have them listed. But they rise and they lower the prices depending on how business was doing that day. And the cashier was required to charge more in order to get paid. If the cashier doesn't make a certain amount of money by the end of the day, she was forced to take it out of her own purse and fill up the till. It involves lying and deceit. Uh, This is often associated with stealing. Number four, employees stealing from employers. This is a big one. In the book of John, chapter 12, verse 6, he says, He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to to do what was put into it, to help himself to what was put into it. Judas, he kept the bag for Jesus. And his disciples, but he stole from it. This type of theft also includes the theft of time by improper use of sick time. Maybe it's a theft of time just by being lazy and not working hard. Number five, stealing as a per- stealing a person's dignity. The act of stealing a person's dignity is known as humiliation, and humiliating people, especially in public, can do permanent damage. Given that. 
Dignity may be the most precious thing we own. Number six, stealing a person's trust. Stealing a person's trust is what we know as deceit or lying. Number seven, stealing from God. What? How do we steal from God? He's God. What about the gifts that God has given to us that we refuse to use? We make excuses like, I know that God has equipped me for this task, but I don't have the time. Or maybe there's someone next to me, someone better is going to do it than me. God doesn't really need me because he's got all these other people here. So if God has given these, these talents and these gifts and we don't use them, that's stealing from God. How about tithes? I told you I was going to make it uncomfortable. In Malachi chapter 3, it says, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? Our possessions, they ultimately belong to God. He gave them for us to use as he directs. If we keep them for ourselves, withholding them from his work or with his permission, then he says we are thieves. The list goes on and on. And we don't have time to hit every way that we can be stealing. But there are lots of different ways. There are even instances in the Bible of stealing. And John the Baptist, he addresses it in Luke chapter 3. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? John says, don't collect any more than you were required to do. He told them, basically, stop stealing. Then some of the soldiers asked, well, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, and be content with your pay. This piece piece of scripture, it talks about stealing money, but it also talks about accusing people falsely, which is stealing someone's reputation and lying. Stealing is so much more than just property theft. And sometimes it's hard to remember that. It's always easy to think, um, you think of stealing and you just think of all the, the things that you can steal or the things that people steal or the thieves that are out there, but it's more than just property theft. Luckily, we have some direction about in the Bible about what do we do if we develop a pattern of stealing in our lives. Paul says in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, he says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. There is direction in what Paul is teaching us in this piece of Scripture. Anyone who, who is stealing must steal no longer. Does that sound familiar? Sounds a lot like number eight there. You shall not steal. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. You shall not steal. So what do we do when we finally, when we do stop stealing? It says in Scripture, it says, We work. Do something useful with your hands, that you may have something to share with the needy. Pastor Dan, he likes to say this. He says it to all of his staff and all of his leadership. And you probably heard this before. He says, work hard, do hard things. I agree with that statement. Work hard, do hard things. God has ordained work, not stealing, as a way of getting what we need. Work is not a curse. Although the drive can certainly feel like that, at least for those of you who work in Seattle. I feel like a curse, and I'm praying for you guys. 
And you, Lucinda. But work itself is a good gift of God. Stealing is part of the corruption that comes from deceitful desires. Stealing comes from about being deceived about what we truly desire in life. Do we want these temporary, earthly things? Or something more, something greater? Like adultery, this is also it is an issue of the heart and of temptation. But it is also an issue of faith. Faith. In Matthew 15, 19, it says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Satan just loves to tempt us, doesn't he? Stealing, though, can be overcome by faith. Satan loves to say that God won't fulfill our needs and that we just need to take it for ourselves. When you lose faith in God and think that he won't provide is when we lose faith in ourselves. And that become, that turns to a road of a selfish life. I just want to say that again. When you lose faith in God and you think that he will not provide for you is when we only have faith in ourselves. And that brings us to a selfish life. Those are the lies that the enemy is telling you. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus, uh, Jesus said to his followers, Because of this I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you are going to eat. Do not worry about your body, what you are going to wear. Life is worth more than food. The body is worth more than clothes. Look at the birds. They do not plant seeds. They do not gather grain. They have no grain buildings for keeping grain, yet God feeds them. Are you not worth more than the bird's life spring? The scripture continues. It says, which of you can make yourself a little taller by worrying? If you cannot do that, which is so little, why do you worry about other things? Think about the flower, how the flowers grow. They do, not need, they do not work or make cloth, yet I tell you that King Solomon and all of his greatness was not dressed as well as these flowers. God puts these clothes on the grass of the field. The grass is in the field today and put in the fire tomorrow. How much more would he give you clothing? You have so little faith. Do not give such thought to what you will eat or drink. Do not be worried about it. For all nations of the world go after these things. Your Father knows that you need these things. Instead, go after a holy nation of God. Then all these other things will be given to you. Church, God knows. God knows what His children need, and He will provide them. So if you know that you are not one of God's children, turn back to Him and ask Him to forgive you, and He will look after your needs. It reminds me of a story of a prodigal son. I know this isn't on the screen. Sorry, Dave, I thought about this last night. But I wanted to read you this story. It's the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of estates. And so he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that local country, 
who sent him to the field to feed his pigs. He was a spoiled rich boy who was now broke and had to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods of the pigs that were, they were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was starving. He wanted to eat. He was even tempted to eat the food that the pigs were eating. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him. It was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You see, he was practicing the statement on his road home. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on him and on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Turn back to God and he will come running for you. He will come running for you. Do you know that stealing can be forgiven. In the scripture where it says anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Paul, he is saying here that there is hope for this thief. He can be forgiven. He can be changed to stop stealing and have a new future in righteousness and holiness. Remember, you know the story in Luke chapter 23 of the lifelong thief in the hour of his death cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingly power. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. So great is the power of the cross to forgive sinners, to forgive thieves. Amen? I want to tell you a story. Actually, I have a chair here because this is a little bit of a tougher story. I do need my notes. So, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Not so quick. But I believe in the power of redemption. I believe in the power of redemption and that Jesus died for our sins. I believe in the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. I've experienced this uh, firsthand. And the reason why I need my notes with me is because I have to be very careful how I say this. It is so, so easy for me to fall into a nature of excuses and blaming others for my past circumstances. When in fact, I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for Jeremy, for my actions and my choices. Remember when I said that stealing is a selfish act. When I was much younger, I made the choice to steal. I'm not talking about almonds this time. I'm talking about a time where I couldn't support my family. And I had an opportunity or a temptation if you will, to come into my life 
and I took it. I knew the difference between right and wrong. I, was, I grew up in the church, in a Catholic church, and I knew the difference. But I was greedy. I was desperate. And at the time, I felt like I had no choice. This was a time in my life where I had turned my back away from God. I had run away from God. I had gone as far as I could away from God. I couldn't get far enough. But the conviction that I felt, it was like heavy on my shoulders. It was like like nothing I've ever felt before in my life. It was a mountain on me. It was crushing me. I was always very good at lying to people growing up. Very good at it. I could have gotten away with it. Easy. No problem. But I couldn't live with myself if I had done that. So I came clean. I admitted what I did. I remember very clearly uh, that first night in jail. Small room surrounded on all sides by much more seasoned men than I. They've been in there, in and out of there. Uh, it was a small, small room, uh, just all stone, no, no beds, just one toilet on the wall. Uh, there's like three guys sleeping underneath the toilet. You didn't go near the toilet. And they were all sleeping. There's probably 20 or 25 guys in there. And I just remember curled up on the floor, just like up against the wall, I remember the fear. I was scared. I felt lost. About 2 a.m. in my soul, I cried out to God. For the first time in my life, I felt like I wasn't in control anymore. And I did not want to be in control anymore. I knew there had to be a better way of living. And so God and I, we had a conversation that night. For the first time in years, I had gone back to God and we had this conversation. I was mad at myself, and even though I had no reason to be, I was also mad at God. But don't you know, he's bigger than that. God is a big God. So that night, I was born again into a new life. It was like God was using my situation. I had been running for years, and God was using my situation to sit me down and talk to me. After all, if I'm locked up, I can't run from God anymore. I'm stuck there. God was able to change my life from one direction, a road of destruction, pain, misery, selfishness, into an entirely different direction. A new life with a new focus. Not a focus on me and what I can get from the world, but a new focus on Him, on Jesus. And if you think that stealing, while motivated possibly from a selfish point of view, doesn't really hurt anyone. I can tell you with certainty that it does. I was ashamed. I was hurt. 
My family was hurt by my actions. My wife, my children were hurt. I had lost trust in my community. I couldn't get a job. One split-second decision, stupid decision, changed everything. Another decision, though, changed it back to where it was supposed to be. And if I can go back and change these things, people have asked me, if you can go back and change things, would you? Uh, No. The answer to that is no. Because if this is what it took, if this is what it took for God to sit me down and set me straight and bring me back to him, then I would gladly do it again. It's that important. Church, we are faced with choices in our life all the time, especially when it comes to stealing. Whether we steal property, whether we steal time, whether we steal someone's dignity, whether we steal from God, we have the option to turn away from that temptation. We have the option to turn away from the greed and the selfishness. And we can turn 180 degrees degrees back to God. Because stealing can be forgiven. You can repent. I know this to be true with every fiber of my being. The solution to it, though, it's the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Paul, he's speaking to the Corinthians at this time. He says, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, 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 past tense, were, meaning they have repented. But you washed, you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Remember, he says that thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then what does he say? He says that some of you, but not now. Such were some of you, but not now. Maybe many of you, he is looking out at the Corinthian congregation, were thieves and swindlers, but not anymore. You've been changed. You've been changed, he said, once, but no longer. Once, no longer. I want to uh, invite the worship team up, please, and the prayer team as well. You know, it's interesting that uh, there were two thieves once, one on each side of Jesus on the cross, and one of them, one of them saw his sin. And when he saw his sin, he ran to the Savior and he said to them, don't forget me when you come into your kingdom. And to that changed thief, yes, changed at the very moment, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. And like the story of the prodigal son, once we turn back to God, he will be there for us with open arms he will run through the mud for us he will knock down the walls for us he will relentlessly pursue us 
Even if you're stuck sitting in a jail cell. If that's what it takes. If that's what it takes. To be surrounded by the arms of the Father. How beautiful is that? To be surrounded by the arms of God. That moment when Jesus was on the cross, he told the thief he will join him in paradise. Life spring. So can we. So to all of us thieves and to all of us sinners, this morning, our chains and our bonds that hold us, they can be broken. What we once were, no longer. We are no longer slaves, but we are free. Free in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you leave here this morning, those things that get in the way of your relationship with God, I want you to not take them with you. Leave them here. Leave them at the foot of the cross. And when you do that, when you leave them at the foot of the cross, don't forget to, just, to say, just to say to God, say to Jesus, don't forget me. Don't forget me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. Amen? We're going to have another worship song in a moment. And there will be prayer available up here for you as well. But before we close, I just want to pray. Father God, we're just so grateful right now just to uh, be here on a Sunday morning in this building, God, just surrounded by friends, by family, by you, God, surrounded by you. God, just change us. Change us. Some of us, we need to... We need to be changed right now. We all need to be changed, actually. But some of these topics that we're talking about this morning, God, it speaks to us. And we just need to have a change of mind and change of heart, Lord. And so when we leave here today, just remind us to leave it at the cross. Don't leave here the way we walked in here. Don't leave here with the baggage that we carried in with us. It's like a, a cleansing, God. And so we just pray for your spirit, for your Holy Spirit to just fill us up when we leave here today. You're a good God. You sent your son to die on the cross for us. In his last moments, in his last moments, he was worried about us. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do. He was worried about us in his last moments on this earth. Fill us up today. In your son's name we pray. Amen.